My name is Kyle, and we will now be reading today's passage and the scriptures from Colossians 2, 8 through 23. Please follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole body, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiveness, having forgiven, given us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no, let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his, his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the reading of God's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North. Uh, we want to welcome everyone that is here in person and also those that are uh, joining with us online. Well, um, as uh, Kyle has read for us, we are going through the book of Colossians, and the letter of Colossians was written by Paul to encourage and remind the young church in Colossae that the person of Jesus is truly their defense against the philosophies of the world uh, that are trying to deceive and captivate them. And, uh, and, and this is basically the real theme of this entire letter, uh, this idea that there are philosophies, there are ideas, there are ideologies uh, that are literally trying to take us capture. The word uh, to take captive is the word used oftentimes uh, to describe war when, when items and people are plundered. Uh, literally, uh, it's to take booty for yourself. So when Apostle Paul is mentioning this idea, he's basically saying that there are philosophies, that there are empty deceits that are trying to take us away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus into believing a, a different or, uh, or uh, a lie or ideology or philosophy that is contrary to what the truth of the word of God teaches us. Now, for a long time when I read this passage, I would also, uh, or I would often misinterpret the philosophies and empty deceits and only uh, categorize it in terms of religious things. So I thought, as long as I believed in the orthodoxy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as long as I was not falling victim to some weird Korean cult or, uh, you know, some, you know, believing in different, uh, um, you know, different religions, that I was 
a-okay, that I was, uh, uh, didn't have to really worry about being taken captive by philosophies and empty deceits. But the further you read, you realize that Apostle Paul basically makes two different categories of what these philosophies and empty deceits are. He talks, one, about man-made religion, things of, of, of Sabbaths and new moons, and then he talks about elemental spirits, basically philosophies and empty deceits that come from this world. So the more I thought about it and the more I studied this passage, I realized what Apostle Paul is talking about very specifically when he talks about do not be taken captive by the philosophies and empty deceits of this world, he is speaking about any type of philosophy, any type of ideology, any type of way of thinking or way of life that will be contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for example, uh, when I was a young, dogmatic, conservative Christian in, uh, you know, in the early 2000s. Early 2000s doesn't seem that long ago to me. It just, just means I'm old, right? Some of you guys were probably born in 2002. Um, but, you know, back then, I, I, I firmly believed, and it was regularly taught to me, that in order to be a good Christian, that I had to agree with and fight for all the uh, political affiliations of the Republican Party. Now, if you're a Republican, this is not, no knock on you. I think both parties are, have good and bad. But I believe back then that it was completely only Christian to be associated with the Republican Party. That is an empty deceit and philosophy of man-made religion. You know, when I was younger, I also believed that in order for me to be a good Christian, as long as I don't smoke cigarettes and as long as I don't drink uh, alcohol, that means I'm a good Christian. You know, and... and some of you might still think that. Um, and not that you should smoke cigarettes. It's very bad for you. But that's the type of legalism, of philosophy and empty deceit that comes from man-made religion. And this is what Apostle Paul is talking about. But there's also the flip side of the philosophies and, and empty deceits that come from the elemental spirits of this world. These are the worldly ideologies, the worldly cultures, the worldly ways of life that so easily captivate us and take us away to believe and live a lifestyle that is very contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with this very uh, topic or the center of, of what Apostle Paul is trying to teach the t uh, church in Colossae, what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to be talking about some of these ideologies some of these things that take us captive in this world. Now, because of that, in this topical series that we'll be going over the next uh, couple of weeks, it means that we're going to be talking about topics that would be very controversial, topics that might be uh, very uh, polarizing, things that cannot be fully explained in one sermon. Uh, what that means is that it will require me and Eugene to be very thoughtful in our, in our preparation, uh, it will also mean that uh, the listener, you will also have to be very thoughtful in, in, in digesting the things that I will be saying, uh, open to the things that I will say, and also critical of the things that I will be saying. And here's a plug. If you need more time to discuss the things that we'll be talking about, reflection groups after Sunday will be a, a perfect place to do so. Okay. Uh, but that this also means that it will require grace. Grace from each of you to know that everything that I'm going to be talking about is not enough time to be able to talk about every nook and cranny. 
to be able to hear from what I'm speaking about, perhaps uh, things that will stretch your mind or things that you will disagree with, but to know that the main purpose is for us to be able to find and, and, and discover, well, what is the philosophies and empty deceits of this world that we have accepted as orthodox gospel, orthodox, true, uh, truly God's word, which are not. And so uh, this week... Um, we're going to be talking about um, the topic of homosexuality and the LGBTQ community, LGBTQ+. Plus. Okay? And just, I'm not saying it's going to be doing this to be disrespectful. LGBTQ+, plus is really long for me to say, so I might just say LGBT, okay? But I mean Q+, plus too, okay? Just, and I say that for the recording in case anyone tries to cancel me. Um, not that I'm cancelable. No one's going to want to cancel me. Um, <laughs> So we're going to be talking about uh, the topic of homosexuality and how, as Christians, we have really been, been programmed to think a certain way, especially if you're my age and older or around my age, which is not that, yet, that old. Um, we've been programmed to think a very specific way, especially if you grew up in the church, about how we are to respond and think about the issue of homosexuality. Or if you are younger, the internet generation, you are now being groomed to think a very different way about this issue and topic. And I believe oftentimes what has happened is that in Christian churches, you are either so dogmatic on, on your fundamental beliefs of what you are supposed to believe that you give no room, no room for really opening your mind to think, is there more? Or if you are not as fundamental, you stay silent because it's a very difficult topic to talk about. But staying silent is just, just as dangerous because we are always being formed by something, right? At the, the, the church, we have 30 minutes with you, you know? Maybe when I speak, maybe 40 minutes, depending on the topic, right? Um, Monday through Sunday, our phones are forming us every single, every single minute we're on it with the culture and with what it teaches, so if we stay silent on something as, as, as important as an issue, or not important, but I think as saturated as an issue as this, then we are doing a disservice. So we are going to talk about it, okay? And uh, I'm going to be uh, as candid as possible about it. But hopefully you'll be able to follow the logic of what I'm going to be talking about. So with Pride Month, I felt it was very important for us to discuss this because, you know, we see all the company logos changing to their pr pride flags, right? Which, by the way, it's all about money. I saw a TikTok video, they showed all the companies that changed their logos to Pride Month, and then they showed where they didn't change it. It's like in like the Middle East and places where, so, it's, so don't, don't worry about companies, they're just doing it for money anyways. But, um, sorry, it's, it's a weird issue, right? So I'm gonna be a little nervous. So that's why we're not gonna stay silent, okay? So now we're gonna talk about the categories. I want you guys to be able to follow the logic of what I'm gonna be talking about is this. Number one, we're gonna talk about the philosophies and empty deceits of fundamental man-made religion that is trying to take us capture, that is trying to take us away from the truth of how God wants us to live. Then we're gonna talk about the philosophies and the empty deceits of this world that is also trying to captivate us, that is also trying to take us away from the truth of God's word. And in both situations, we're gonna look at, well, then how are we supposed to correctly respond as Christians to an issue that is polarizing and that is very difficult to think about? And then lastly, we're going to look at the solution. The solution in, in Colossians is very, very uh, 
profound, and yet Paul is very clear. He talks about the preeminence of Christ, and he talks about for us to set our minds and seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. So we're going to see that the solution is when we think and set our minds upon the fullness of who Christ is, and I'm going to expound on that a little bit more. So first, we're going to go right into it, the philosophies and empty deceits of man-made religion. We're going to see how the man-made religion and legalism and fundamentalism has taken us captive and making us treat an entire group of people in an inhumane and unbiblical way. And and here's the thing. Um, By believing what oftentimes the conservative church has for so long uh, expressed about the homosexual community, that they are evil, that allowing them to live their lifestyle is going to be bad for our children and for our future, that allowing them to get married is uh, uh, going to, you know, desanctify the sanctity of marriage. Um, those things, I believe, has created not only an irreconcilable wedge within the Christian community and those within the LGBTQ community, but I also believe that the error of that is that we somehow came to a point where we felt, we as Christians felt, that it was proper and it was God's ordination for us to push our moral agenda upon a pluralistic society. And when you read the New Testament, when you especially read the letters of Apostle Paul, when Apostle Paul gives commands to churches on how they ought to live, he speaks directly to those that have become Christian, to those who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And in none of those situations does he ever expound or ever give uh, exhortations to the church to therefore now push this command upon the Roman society that do not believe. And yet that's what we did with the LGBTQ community. Now, uh, back in 2000, okay, some of you guys were not alive in 2000. It's so weird. I think about 2000, I think it's yesterday. But 2000 was a very long time ago, and the culture was very different. Back in 2000, a friend sent me a blog. Uh, it was a blog written by a, a lady by the name of Misty Irons. You are not going to know who Misty Irons is. Maybe two people here will know who she is. Uh, Misty Irons is a, a very niche blogger in a very niche, ultra-conservative Christian circle. It's called the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, or the, it's, it's a, or the truly reformed, they call themselves. It's a very niche, very conservative uh, Christian circle. She wrote a blog back in 2000. Uh, she still has a blog now. And in that blog, my friend sent it to me, and he said, you got to read this. And I was like, okay, what the heck? And it's titled this, A Conservative Christian Case for Civil Same-Sex Marriage. Now, this blog that she wrote should have ousted her from her tribe, okay? It, 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 it's complete, and, and this is 2000. This, is, this was completely out of the norm, and yet when I read this, I was like, wait a second, everything she's writing really, and if you guys want to read this, um, let me know and I'll send it to you. I was like, oh, this, um, everything she's writing kind of logically makes sense, but also makes very much biblical sense. Her entire uh, thesis of this blog was this, that it was beneficial for conservative, God-fearing Christians to support the civil right, the civil human right of the homosexual community to have same-sex civil marriage. 
Now, if you're a conservative Christian back in 2000, or if you're even, even now, you might be like, no, 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 no. Isn't it our job and our duty as Christians to fight against this monstrosity? Doesn't the Bible describe the act of homosexuality as, as something that is, is so evil and detestable? Now, the reason why she made this claim is this. She said, it is not our duty to push the moral agenda of Christianity upon a pluralistic society. By doing so, she prophetically said, by doing so, when the tides change, it will be a moment when we will have to fight for our right to gather as Christians. And she was absolutely right. She gives this example. She said, uh, in, well, in 2000, she talked about El Medina High School. Uh, I'm too old to know, but now there's a club called the Gay Straight Alliance Club that exists in high schools, right? And that happened in, started in 2000. In 2000, in Southern California at a high school, a group of students came to the school board and they wanted to use uh, the uh, Equal Access Act that would allow them to meet as a club on campus during school hours. Now, again, back in 2000, guess who did not want this? Uh, a group of Christians came and protested against the school board. They said that this is not ethical, that this is wrong, that this is going to turn our society upside down. And the school board voted 7-0 to zero to not allow this club to exist. This club sued, uh, went to the higher courts, they won. Now, if you are young enough, you probably went to a school that had gay alliance, straight alliance clubs. Now, here's the interesting thing. Do you know who came up with the Equal Access Act? Christians. In the early 80s, a group of Christians, they came up with the Equal Access Act to allow Christian clubs to exist on campus to be able to use the facilities during school hours. And yet, the very people who came up with this act would not allow or did not want to allow the Gay Straight Alliance Club. And the whole point of her bringing this up is this. She said, now when we protest against same-sex civil unions and marriage, what is going to happen is that when the tides of culture changes, and it ultimately will change, there will be a time when the culture will say Christians no longer have the right to gather. That their belief is hatred, that their belief is intolerant, that their faith causes them to believe in things that go against what our society believes, and then society and the world will push their moral agenda upon us. See, here's, here's the thing. When, when we think about what the Bible teaches us, that we ought to love others, that we ought to love God, never teaches us to push our moral agenda upon those that don't believe. By believing in that philosophy and empty deceit that we needed to be the, 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 the torchbearers of moral agenda in our society, what it has caused us is that it has caused us to be, become targets now. Second thing about the philosophies of man-made religion is this. We demand perfection from a group of people in order for them to join our community and yet we give ourselves grace upon grace when it comes to our own sins. Now, um, I don't know what you, what you guys think or thought, but uh, growing up, uh, the idea of you know, homosexuals or, or LGBT 
uh, you know, and, and what would we do if they came to our church? Uh, it was always taught to us. It was always taught to me. And it was something that I believed in order for them to be a part of our community, they needed to instantly repent and no longer live a certain lifestyle. Okay. Now, this is me saying very clearly, as a Christian, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to become, the process of becoming more and more holy needs to be seen in your life. That's, 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 that's a non-negotiable. But the timing and the way that happens is different from, for everyone. I can tell you that I believe I accepted Jesus Christ when I was six years old because I didn't want to go to hell. Like if someone says, when did you accept Jesus? I'd be like, oh, my friend told me, do you want to go to hell? I said, no, then you got to believe in Jesus. I believed in Jesus at that moment. My sanctification was a slow, slow process. It may, it, it may almost look like I became more unholy, you know, and, and in some ways you might think that, all the way up until like, call, like I, was, I was literally a criminal, okay? And I don't say that, I don't say that as an exaggeration, you know, luckily it was before I was 18, so my arrest records are not there. I was literally a criminal. And then in college, I, I became more, you know, f serious about my faith. And, and, then, and then my sanctification looks like this, you know? Right? That's all of us. We allow grace for certain sins that are more culturally acceptable. And yet, the moment someone says that they have same-sex attraction or that they are living a homosexual lifestyle, what we'll say is, in order for you to be accepted into our community, you need to be perfect, which is not from Scripture. Jesus says, sin no more, and that's to all of us. We are to strive to, to live a life of holiness. But there is also affordance for the fact that in this world, in this body, we are going to constantly struggle with sin. And what's even more uh, damning for Christian community is the amount of sexual misconduct and sexual abuse that has been allowed within the church, and yet we only demand perfection from the gay community. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the biggest denomination here in the United States, is going through a, a mist of a turmoil and scandal because of the fact for, for decades they have been hiding and they have been putting under the rug uh, issues of sexual abuse, molestation, uh, rape, uh, infidelity, and they have turned their eye on it and they have you know, covered it up and allowed Christian leaders to continue to be Christian leaders without any repercussion and yet speak so adamantly against allowing the human rights of a group of people based on their sexual orientation. That tells me, not, be, not only because of hypocrisy, but it, there's, there's a disconnect between the gospel, and that type of belief. Therefore, we must also respond with grace to a people who desire, who may be seeking Jesus, who at the same time don't understand and struggle with some of the desires that they have in their flesh. The third philosophy I believe that fundamental man-made religion has taken us captive is that we have weaponized the Bible instead of using the Bible to seek to empathize with a group of people we may not understand or know. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll be very frank with you. I only know like a few gay people. 
you know? And I didn't even know they were gay for a long time, okay? Uh, I have zero gaydar, if that's, if, if you understand that. Like, and as a pastor in a conservative Christian church, guess what? I have no real, con- like, interactions with, with people in the LGBTQ community. So I really don't know their struggle. I don't, I can't understand, you know, I, I can't empathize with them. You know, I don't know what they've gone through. But for so long, Christian churches have used the Bible to only condemn them, uh, weaponized to, to show them that they're evil, right? Um, it's interesting that when I, you know, when uh, I read blogs and stuff, um, a lot of uh, LGBTQ community members, they know the Bible, but the only Bible they know is like Leviticus, the ones that say like, you know, like this is uh, uh, you know, detestable to the Lord. Homosexuality is detestable to the Lord. They don't know other passages, like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. They don't know other passages that talk about the love and mercy and grace of God. Why? Because we have not shared that with them. We've only talked about verses that condemn them. Why is it, why is it that we only do this to this particular group of people? Because somehow, in our man-made human religion, the thing that has captured us is not the truth of the gospel that we so clearly hold on to, the grace and mercy and love of Jesus, but somehow we've been captured by this condemning, dogmatic, un-Jesus-like way of treating a group of people. But at the same time, we have to also look at the flip side, right? There is the philosophies and empty deceits of human culture. There's the philosophy and empty deceits of the elemental spirits of this world uh, that will also try to capture and captivate us. And, the re- and here's the thing, like I mentioned before, like this is the last thing I want to talk about in, in the pulpit, right? Because it's a, you know, it's, it's a difficult topic to talk about. You might be sitting in this room. You might be a visitor. You might be someone who uh, has really close friends uh, who, who might identify uh, as LGBTQ. Uh, you might be someone who is uh, in that camp. You might be struggling with that. And, you, you know, it's like, oh, this is a very difficult you know, topic. But the reason why I think it's very important for us to talk about is because if we stay silent on this issue, then the thing that will most likely take you captive is not the fundamental man-made religious philosophies because number one we live in the bay area there's no way you can believe that and really survive and really have friends okay that's and 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 also because as younger people um the tide has changed where the things that are really taking you captive is not the ultra conservative fundamental uh, thoughts and philosophies of of man-made religion but the thing that is taking you captive are the elemental spirits of this world in which you are saturated in surrounded by not just in your workplace, but in, in the very things that you watch and, and, and you observe. You know, um, I, I was watching Disney Plus, and then there was, a, you know, a cartoon. I don't know why I was watching this cartoon. My kids were watching it, okay? Uh, and, there were, and then, you know, these, these kids, they're, like, exploring dinosaurs. You know, they travel back in time. They're looking at dinosaurs, and they're like, oh, look at those two dinosaurs. Like, what are they doing? Are they going to eat the egg? No, they're not going to eat the egg. Oh, they just want to have a family. And it's like two male dinosaurs. And they're like, oh, you know, like, I was like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you want, okay. And I don't say this because I am bashing the LGBT 
I'm just saying, that's ridiculous. They're dinosaurs, right? They're going to eat that egg. But that's the thing. The culture is now shifted so much that unless we have intentional, purposeful dialogue about these issues, then you're just going to be taken captive. And one of the false philosophies of this world that I think is very important for us to think about is this. There's a false truth that ties our identity to our sexuality. That the core of your identity is, is what you are sexually. You know, um, and, 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 it's, and it's no fault to the LGBTQ community. It's just, the, it's just the culture that we live in. Why? Because how do you identify yourself? For so many years, we said, Who, what are you? Well, I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a wife. A lot of the things that we identify with is tied to how we view our sexuality, right? So even some of our hobbies growing up, like you play sports because you're a dude, right? Uh, you enjoy ballet because you are not a, you know, you're a female, you know? And then the ones that enjoy ballet that are male, well, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's just the way that we would think. So everything was, you know, tied to our sexuality, and for the LGBTQ community, as they're growing up, when they could not identify with those things based on their sexual orientation, how else can they place their identity? Purely on their sexuality. So now they are, they're, they're gay. That's their main identity. But that is not a, a true thing for us to believe in. Because when we think about our identity in Christ, when we think about, and, and this, again, I'm speaking to Christians, when we think about what our identity is in eternity, guess what? It's not tied to our sexuality. Jesus was very clear. There is neither marriage, there's no marriage in heaven. You know, so you know when you get married, the vows, till death do you part? It literally means till death do you part. So you know if someone says, I'm going to love you for all eternity, that's a lie. <laughs> the moment I die, I'm a single man. Okay, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality. So if for all of eternity, our identity is not tied to our sexual identity, but is tied to something else, the fact that we are in Christ, why is it that this world is so adamant in teaching us and trying to force us to believe that our sexual orientation and, our, uh, and sexual, sexuality is the, at the very core of who we are? So that is an empty deceit, and a philosophy that we must fight against. And based on that, then it, it, it logically goes to our next false philosophy of this world, which teaches us that if we do not agree with somebody, that we are hateful. And that the only way that we can truly be loving is by tolerating everything about somebody. And, and, and so if our true identity is not in our sexuality, then we can disagree about that portion of someone's life and still be loving, still be kind, still be gracious. Um, there's a man, uh, an author and an activist uh, by the name of uh, James Baldwin, um, and he, he has a famous quote. He said this, we can disagree and still love each other, unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and, de and denial of my humanity and right to exist. Okay. 
We can disagree and love each other as long, you know, as long as you don't deny my humanity and right to exist. Now, unfortunately, um, Christians denied the humanity and right to exist of the LGBTQ community for many years. And guess what's happening now? The LGBTQ community is denying the right for Christians to exist. And both of those movements are based upon the false philosophies that this world taught us. That tolerance is the only form of love and acceptance. That intolerance was filled with hatred. We, as people and humans, should have the human right to disagree about any issues. As long as it does not oppress and take away the civil rights of those around us. You know, like, I hate the Celtics. I should be able to help the Celtics. You know, I also kind of dislike the Warriors. I should also be able to dislike the Warriors. And yet you can still love me. Right? Right? I don't know why you guys are laughing. There's so many different things. Like, you can believe... In, in, in raising your children a certain way. And that might be in complete disagreement with somebody else that believes that raising their children in a different way. And yet, you can still love one another. You can believe that worship songs should only be sung through hymns and hymnals. And yet, you can believe that Oceans is the greatest worship song. And you can still love one another. Why is it that the world has deceived both, both groups into believing this false truth that you have to agree with me in order for you to love me? And here's my response as Christians. As Christians, we have to be able to, and, and here's the thing, we have an uphill, uphill climb because of all the history that has happened previously. But we have to, winsome, uh, in, in a winsome way, learn what it means for us to love a group of people who think we hate them while still being able to under, be, be truthful about the fact that, hey, we can disagree on this specific thing about you. It doesn't mean that I hate all of you. It doesn't mean that I want to oppress you. I want you to have your human rights and, and, and side note, this is me talking, okay? Why can't gay people get married? They should get married, right? How does that affect us? It doesn't. Did you know that people in prison can get I didn't know this. People in prison can get married. Like you can be a felon, and while you're in prison, you can get married. They have that right, but we're saying people with same-sex attraction, they can't have that right? You know, it, it, and, and here's the, so, so that's why, but at the same time, they should also say, you guys have the right to believe that homosexuality is a sin based on your faith. Right? It should be like that, and it should be okay. Before I get too far off the wall, we'll finish with our third and final point. The solution, therefore, is in the fullness of Christ. Okay? Apostle Paul, and, and he continues on in Colossians chapter 3, he gives instructions on how to combat the philosophies of this world. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
See, our minds are to be filled with the ideas inspired by the person of Jesus Christ. Our thinking and our beliefs must be determined by who Jesus is so that there is no room for the influence from the things of this world, both man-made religion and, 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 and elemental spirits. So the theology behind this instruction that Apostle Paul is talking about, because it's like, what do you mean, like, seek the things above and set our minds on Christ? What, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, basically, what, Jesus, uh, what Apostle Paul is saying is this. You have died with Christ, and you have been raised with Christ. Therefore, your citizenship and your life is in the eternal realm. Even though you may live on earth for a short time, your eternal life is in the eternal realm in heaven with Christ as he's seated upon the throne. Therefore, your life is completely secure in him. So seek the things above. Seek the things above, meaning try to understand what your life is supposed to be when you are in heaven with Christ. Do not seek the things below. Do not try to maximize or make the world that you are living in a certain way because the philosophies of this world and man-made religion, that, those are the things that will make you believe staunchly and dogmatically about certain issues. But when you seek the things above and understand the eternal security that you have in Christ, the natural outpouring of your lifestyle will be that of love, mercy, and grace, and truth, just as Jesus lived when he was here on this earth. I think this is where, practically speaking, we all fail because we don't seek the things above. We seek the comforts and the things and the acclaims of this world. So maybe you want to be seen as staunchly orthodox and conservative Therefore, you seek a certain narrative about how we ought to think about the LGBTQ community. Or maybe you want to be seen as progressive and an ally, so therefore you give allowance to everything and anything about the LGBTQ community. Or maybe you just want to live a comfortable life, so you stay silent and don't say anything because you just want your kids to go to school, have a good life, and you know, not mooch off you when you're, when, when you're retired. That's seeking the things of this earth above seeking the things above in Christ. So with that, we're going to continue on in our service with communion.